Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Baton Rouge is home to a lot of budding entrepreneurs, but it's also home to a lot of just plain interesting people whose companies and careers have propelled them to be creative forces, influencers and advocates for nonprofits, the needy, and just doing the right thing in the community. Joining me today is one such person, Ava Heyman, a poet and author of four books who also served as Poet Laureate for the state of Louisiana from 2013 to 2015, a position that has taken her around the world and made her something of an ambassador for Louisiana. Ava's writings have been described as concrete descriptions of a woman's life in the mid-20th century American South mixed with wider concerns about family, lies, and truth, and culture that supports or forbids clear speech. She's a wonderful woman. She's also a generous philanthropist in the community, giving of her time and talents to many organizations. Ava, it's a pleasure to have you here on Out to Lunch today. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. With me and Ava is Heather Sewell Day, owner of the Red Cake Event Planning, which plans private, corporate, and community events with a unique twist, whether it's through the use of Heather's vintage VW van or the involvement of modern dancers flying through the air on silks. Heather particularly caters to nonprofit organizations and somehow manages to get sucked into all sorts of volunteer organizations that recognize the creative energy and passion she brings to her projects. Among the events she has helped stage are Hunks in Heels and Emerge into Dance, and among the nonprofits she has helped lead are Of Moving Color Productions, Forum 35, and the LSU Museum of Art. Heather, it's a pleasure to have you here, too. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Well, Ava, I'm going to start with you. You're such a gifted poet, and, and for those unfamiliar with your work, I just want to give them an idea of the richness of the language you use. If, if you can read just a passage from one of your more recent poems. Mm -hmm. This is We're at lunch, and this is a poem about oysters, so it seems <laughs> the, like the right thing to uh, read. And this is four lines of a poem that's about 15 or 16 lines long. Gulf oysters are milky, grown fat in brazing seawater. The Gulf's a warm pool on chuffy oil burners, a crock pot of Guatemalan blood and Cajun spices. I love that. That's <laughs> wonderful. And you read it so well. I'm so glad I asked you to read it and that I didn't try. How long did it take you to come up with something like that? And, and how much poetry do you turn out on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? There were about 20 years that have been over for a while. <laughs> and there were about 20 years when I was ferociously working. Really? Full of, I was just a fountain of ideas. And um, 
and I didn't have any trouble making myself sit down and work in the morning, you know, and then it was always happening. Um, and this kind of thing that I read, this is really kind of, I would say, inspired, although I don't use that word about writing poetry, but the way the language is dense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and very sensory. It's wonderful language. That almost has to come to you. Now, it won't come in that order, but that almost just has to arrive in your head. Um, you can't start. After the 20 years were over, I kind of, it was funny, it was like the plane landed. And then um, I had a great pile of poems. I had published a lot of them in journals and magazines, but I didn't have a book yet. It was crazy. I had this giant pile of poems. And ultimately, it took me a long time to figure out how to do this, I separated those into the four books that you mentioned. Right. And and then I took the first one. And, and doing that took about six months. Very hard work. And then I took the first one and... Uh, it took another year to make that into a cohesive book, and I did that with all four books. Heather, I want to bring you into the conversation. You two are a creative soul, and you channeled it into event planning. What does Red Cake do specifically, and where did you come up with the name Red Cake, first of all? Love that. <laughs> well, um, I guess the name specifically came when I first was starting. I wanted it to be something easy and catchy. And I was trying to think of common denominators in parties, and uh, the cake came, and then red just sounded fun. So we just put them together. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it's been easy. And uh, that was back in 2000, I guess. And uh, back then, the redcake.com was was available. There you go. <laughs> Everybody says that. How did you get that website? It's but easy. you do end up, you and you have done a lot of nonprofit work yes. and, and help a lot of organizations that really need someone with the extra twist and creative mind to help them. I think that that's my fav- one of my favorite things to, uh, to tackle is working with nonprofits and trying to help them do something unique and different that will get noticed and mm-hmm. get you know, butts in the seat at their fundraisers and um, their awareness events. It's, uh, it's always fun to go and sit down with a new group and hear about what their mission is and what they're doing in the community. And I always get very inspired. I, I love my city. and. I've, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. My husband is works in the wetlands and uh, so in our stuck. swamp, so I'm stuck. <laughs> I have to be where where the where, where the river is, where the so, oysters are milky and yeah, fat, right. Once, once, <laughs> once I got him, I realized I wasn't going anywhere. So I better make this a, a fun place to be, a place I want to be. You all both, you know, are, are blessed to do. I think what you were called to do, what you have a vocation to do, what you enjoy doing. How did you get into it? How did you become a a poet. I mean, is that what you wanted to do growing up, Ava? Or were you always a creative writer? Or mm, I don't remember growing up. I think I wanted to be a musician. Okay. And then most of the people in my family in every direction are musicians. And then um, when I was beginning in high school, I wanted to be a mathematician and I majored in math. Well, that's the total other side of the brain, I think, right? It is and it isn't. Um, because a poem has to have a kind of a mathematical armature. It's not even so much the rhythm. It's I don't even quite know what it is, but it's three-dimensional. <laughs> and, um, and then I ended up majoring in music because um, 
I wanted to get out of college in three years and get married. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a Texan at that point. Um, majored in English. Then after that, I was a technical writer for a while. Then I had two children by this time. Then um, did some other things, but finally wrote a children's novel. And in the children's novel, uh, these two mouse-like things, I think they were gerbils in the first draft, because we had gerbils in a cage in our house. These gerbils go down way into the earth, and then she talked in poems. When wow. she spoke, she spoke in little chant-like poems. And I wasn't very good at it, and I'd never written anything I wasn't good at. I mean, I wrote, I did write plays for playmakers before this happened. Um, and I realized, you know, I think I have written 200 pages here, which, by the way, have never been published, telling myself that what I should do is write poems. Fantastic. And that's how your poetry career was born. Yeah. What about event planning, Heather? How did you get into that? Well, I was in the hospitality industry for some years um, here in Baton Rouge and sort of became the go-to person at the restaurant or that I was working to help with these sort of things and then I started having friends and family ask me to help do things and at the time event planner wasn't really it, it wasn't a career choice mm -hmm. at least not in the south I mean up in the bigger cities it was but here if you looked it up in the yellow pages it was just a clown and a balloon maker so it's like okay <laughs> and well, all southern ladies knew how to throw their own yeah exactly anyway. we exactly we just nice looked trip. at southern living and did the thing but anyways so um i just kind of started and really had no idea where how to base as far as my what, what to charge just because no one was doing it here and it's and it's really still a challenge just to put a value on what i do because it's a service it's mm -hmm. not a a product or a thing that I give someone. Um, so it's taken a long time to, I think, build that reputation that what is in my head is definitely worthy. Valuable. <laughs> and, and, Valuable, exactly. And as you say, the, um, the field has changed, it's evolved, oh, and yes. it's a lot more competitive. Everybody hires wedding planners now and yes. right. baby no shower planners. I right. mean, it's way over the top, which right. is good for you, but also a lot more competition in your field. There, there is, and I think that that came out of people that did hire a wedding planner or an event planner and realized, oh, wow, that was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to do anything. I got to go to my daughter's wedding and enjoy it. And um, that word spread that, you know, uh -huh. you don't, you look, I did it. You need to do it. It's worth the money. Like, you know, friends telling friends, which is also, I think, a very Southern thing for women to say, no, this is what you need to buy. This is what you need to do. That's true. So, And do you bring props and supplies or you basically map out the game plan and tell your clients um, what they I have, need to do? Yes, I have a... a an arsenal of <laughs> props that I use sometimes. Um, I also have my preferred vendors where I know where to get things. If you need a bird cage, if you need, you know, a, oh different things like, you know, whatever it might Fun. be, I right. know where to get those from, from different could you, vendors. Could you name a prop? A name a prop? Well, I mean, that tell I've me, well, you've got props. Well, I can't imagine. Yeah. Well, tell I mean, me some of them. Well, as, okay, for example, there's a local artist here in town, TJ Black, who I work with a lot. He's amazing. And I'll tell him, I need a birdcage for an acrobat to do some aerial work in that I want to hang on this stage uh -huh. for this party. And he's like, I saw that. Okay. I saw that uh, with a moving, uh -huh. uh, I saw that yeah. moving so cool. So he, I'll ask him to make things for me. Um, you know, there's prop companies down in New Orleans and different places where I get stuff. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Heather Day of Red Cake Event Planning and poet Ava Heyman. We'll be right back after this very short break.
You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Heather Day of Red Cake Event Planning and poet Ava Heyman. Ava, now more recently, of course, you were poet laureate. And, and what does a poet laureate do? And, and is it a paid position or is it an honorary thing? And well, it's a little bit paid, but not enough to cover your first trip out of town. And you have to pay for your own trip? Well, I did after the money ran out. And I thought it was it was great that I got that appointment at the stage of life that I did because yeah. essentially I could... I could just tell my students, okay, I'm not going to teach for two years. And uh, I could afford to drive my car to Shreveport and back. And um, and I still had a, a lot of energy and enough energy to do it. You know, five years from now, I might not. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was, it was the perfect stage. Other things were over, and the next stage hadn't started. So I was able to, I thought I was able to do things that have been uh, impossible for most of the poets laureate that I know. Um, Every state has because one? Because of that. Most states have them. And most people probably have no idea what they even do. But well, it's funny. People would... <laughs> one of the values of it, I thought, were that people would come to readings that, I, that was advertised, say, in some town or another, and they would come to the readings who had never been to a poetry reading before. And they would come, they would hear it, they would like it. Afterwards, they would say, I've never been to a poetry reading before. Um, But I came because I wanted to see a poet laureate. And I would say, oh, well, thank you for coming. What is one? Was the next one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you kind of make, make it sounds out, of, like make out of it what you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it, it bother y'all that, I mean, this is not a problem we can solve over lunch, but that our society does not value the arts, the creative arts, the humanities more? You know, I mean, we'll pay athletes goodness knows how much money, but a poet or Heather and I were on the board of a, of a dance company here, mm-hmm. like trying to make payroll every month. <laughs> right. I mean, we had to keep them afloat, as, but you know, because people just don't value it. How do we raise the awareness level? I don't know. Because <laughs> the arts know. do, they enrich our lives so much, and they, they make us the city that people want to come to. They make exactly. us the place that people want to be. I mean, that's, that's what makes a beautiful downtown, is having artists you know, living, oh, so living right. there, there and working there. Yeah. And if you price them out, how are you going to get that vibe? How are you, they're not going to come. So it's, I think that's part of it right there is, is providing um, affordable studio space, you know, for artists to go and work and, and live and be part of the community. You have to have a diverse community to reflect yeah. the people that are there and to reflect the arts and culture that, that are living there somewhere, but they need a place to go where people can see them. Speaking you know? of places to go, where do you stage most of your um, events? I mean, do you do it at the, at the homes or the venues of the, the people that hire you, or do you have to go out and find a really cool space for a really cool party? <laughs> well, so, sometimes that, that is a, a challenge um, that is given to me to they want to find a space that no one's had a party before, you know? So um, I, that's definitely something I try to do. Um, it's hard in Baton Rouge to find a place where you can have a party for over 200 people that that will encase them and not be there for rain to spoil the party. Oh, so it's yeah. and we don't have very many large spaces here. We so, really um, don't. We don't. Large cool ones. Especially. No, it's it's hotels and yeah. So it's that's always a challenge. Um, 
but um, I've got some some favorite haunts that I like to have parties in and you know I always love a blank canvas Um, I love an old building I love an old warehouse I love you know a lot of the things that you see down in New Orleans Um, I'm not scared to attack a warehouse and bring in some air conditioner and and just set it all up so cool well, let's switch gears for a moment, ladies. Um, this is a part of the show we call Another Great Idea. So maybe you've got a friend who always has a great idea for you. They tell you about somebody you should have a cup of coffee with or a job you should apply for, an investment opportunity, and maybe you take their advice and it turns out to be good. Maybe it doesn't turn out to be so good. Maybe you ignore it and later wish that you hadn't. Can you all think of an example like that where somebody's offered you a piece of advice? Did you take it and how did it turn out? Well, let's see. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when you say advice would be, um, it's funny, it was something that my father gave me years ago. Um, he used to have a, a garage, I guess it was his man cave, that he would go to and sit. Um, and uh, he uh, would write on the walls inside of this little shed, and he would write his little isms you know his little comments on life and um so when he passed away I was like oh I want I want can we just take that whole building and put it in my backyard you know I want the sheetrock and taking pictures of it and one of the things and this is so simple it's such a you know a simple piece of advice but and I didn't really understand it then because I wasn't married and um but it was uh don't sweat the small stuff and I feel like that applies in so many ways in my career and especially in my marriage right. as far as, and he would always say, you know, when I would get worked up or anxiety, hey, hey, don't, don't worry about that. Like, think about the bigger picture. Stop thinking about these minute things that, that don't really matter. You know, don't, you don't need to pick that fight today, you know? Right. You're so right. And, and the older we get, the more, the more, the more it applies. It applies so much. Yeah. And it being doing events is a very stressful job, and and I. I want to your clients sweat the small stuff. Oh off. yeah, they and and, and that it is, it's definitely an, uh, something. Details matter. Absolutely. Every detail matters. Small details matter, but um, sometimes it's you know if the client really wants this, I need to just back off and let them have it. Okay, don't instead of you know. So it's just it applies in many different ways. It does. For sure. What about you, Ava? Can you think of any advice? The mo- uh, the most. The thing that came to mind is people, well, people have a lot of ideas for poets. They may not know what poets do, but they have a lot of ideas. (laughs) And that's nice, because they'll tell me, they'll come up after readings especially, and people will come up and they'll say, I have a great idea for a poem. Uh, And I'll say, tell me, and they'll say, you really ought to write this. You really ought to write this. You might want to take it down. No, I'll remember it. So tell me. And then they'll say something that might really make a good poem. I still remember one guy said, probably I read this oyster poem, and he said, when I eat an oyster, it goes to the back of my throat, and it's like... An el- it goes down whole like an elevator. Wow, that's a great <laughs> metaphor. I thought that was simile. super, but it wasn't. But he's got to write that. So that's that's, right. that's what I say is, this is your poem. Write down what you just said to me right now, and then look at it the next day and see if you think of anything else. And um, that's yeah. the advice that I have that I try to turn back to the other person. No, that's great to know. How, how do you how do you all promote your respective uh, ventures, your your company or your firm, Heather, and, and your poetry? Social media, uh, or yes. just 
Yes, um, definitely. That's kind of the number one way and, and the absolute best way to get people to listen and notice. I mean, I think we're inundated with so many different kinds of media now. So I, I try to hit them from all sides, whether it be billboard, social media, you know, texting, email, um, you know, let's have a reveal party and invite people to come. I mean, I, you know, and, and still there's, there's people that, that didn't get the email. Where's Grant? But, um, <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's just I think we have so many different vessels to get information now. It's, it's really yeah. hard to, to get through. But I think social media is one that is definitely looked at and you can immediately see how many people saw it, how many people might be interested or are coming, you know, want to know more. They can message you. It's it's definitely the best tool. When you said billboards, did you actually mean literally outdoor advertising or like social oh, yeah. media billboards? You know, and I feel oh, like wow. billboards I use a lot, especially the digital billboards, um, even for really? nonprofits. And, um, and are they expensive? Well, you know, um, they. it depends on what you're doing. I mean, but, I, I you know, Lamar is very generous to the community in that they do um, discounts for nonprofits to, to do digital billboards. And I feel like what that does is it it really, it's kind of, it legitimizes an event. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, we, you know, maybe you got it that. Does, maybe Yeah. It? Maybe you got the, the Facebook post or the Instagram <coughs> picture that you saw it that morning and then you're driving down the interstate and then boom, there's the Emerge billboard. So that just kind of, you know, drives it home that oh, that event is coming, it's happening, oh, it's everywhere, I and need to works. go. And it works, people see them? Yeah, and people see them, and I, a lot of times people will tell me, I think you have to use them right, though, and you have to know how to not, um, you know, not muddle the, the billboard with too much information. It needs to be quick and to the point so that I can read it. Eye-catching. Eye-catching. Um, the color means a lot, I, and I think about it all the time when I see billboards now. I'm like, oh, gosh, that, you know, I can't even read that. Like, I'm driving by, and I still have not been able to read anything about what this event is or what this thing is that they're trying to tell me about. So I think that would be a piece of advice. I'm going to be thinking about this all day now every time I drive by. Do you use social media, Ava? It seems like this would be a great way to spread the word of a poet. It's changed a lot over the years, the things you do to um, make poetry interesting to people. And, And the most I ever do is when I have a new book, then I try to sell the book. And this last one, which is named Eldest Daughter, I uh, mostly sold, I sold more on social media than anything else. And, That's you know, great. got a website. Blah, blah, you blah, do blah, it yourself or you have somebody help you? or um, I had uh, uh, someone who was a young woman who was really good at, at uh, all sorts of technical and and computer things and she helped me when I'd get in a jam (laughs) but generally I I could do it and um, then I think the most uh, I have done is build an audience and I started writing poetry a long time ago I started people started coming Mm -hmm. I got their names if mm-hmm. I was going to give another meeting, mm-hmm. I sent it. It used to just... You built a brand. It used I guess. <laughs> and that's what it's about. That's it how you u- do it. Mm-hmm. And it used to be, uh, I'd send everybody a written, you know... A notice about yeah. a reading or mm-hmm. something. And so then that was more people, and then more and more, and... And, uh, and I think that's an art that needs to stay. I mean, I want the snail mail. I want the heart invite. Mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to... I think and something to put on the refrigerator. Right. right. I mean, right. so you sure. can... Where do you all hope to be in three to five years? What's what's the plan for Red Cake, and is there another book in the works, Ava? <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, I'm definitely at a crossroads, I think, right now with my company. Um, I've, I've maybe established a brand, I guess, of, of what people expect from a Red Cake event, which is wonderful. And uh, I'm getting lots of calls, and I'm needing to expand and make that next step. So I think, you know, in three to five years, I hope to have um, a fuller staff and um, an actual office, not wow. just a coffee shop right? <laughs> and a storage storage unit. Um, but so I'm working on all those things right now. I'm kind of uh, looking to make that jump and bring it into the next level. Excellent. Yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah. I, hopefully yeah, I've got another luck. 10 years this on me. Is, <laughs> it's fascinating to hear you talking. One thing I hear is you are teaching yourself to do this as you go along. Oh, my that gosh. Absolutely. Amazingly wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I've totally taught myself what I'm doing as I go. That's great. What about you, Ava? Well, my career, I have a friend in Maine who calls it my so-called career. My career has taken a real turn in the last four or five years, which is composers, musical composers, contact me, have somehow seen a poem of mine somewhere, and ask me if they can use my poem as text. Oh, that's so cool. That is well, so cool. Just, and you know, there I'm going back to musical background. Right, right, right. And, um, and that's happened. I bet, I bet, I bet eight composers, one, one jazz, Interesting. the rest classical, contemporary. Oh, I could hear that line you just did in a jazz song. Mm-hmm. You're Keanu uh-huh. singing that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and um, now I'm, I have, with the Baton Rouge Symphony, a uh, commission to do a, a collaborative piece with C.C. Lockwood. Oh, fabulous. M- me and a composer um, whose name is Chris Theophanidis, and he he's the composer teacher, which is called the composition mm-hmm. teacher, which for an English major, I can never make that sound like a composer, at Yale. So, and he writes pieces, and Tim Muffet wanted mm-hmm. him because he writes pieces that are then played often by other orchestras. So we're collaborating on a symphonic multimedia piece on the estuary. Oh, how cool. Wow. Yes, it is. So many interesting things. Well, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Very inspirational. Mm -hmm. Ava Heyman and Heather Day, it's been a real treat for me to have such interesting, inspiring women on the show today. Y'all are doing great things to raise the bar and the tenor of the conversation here in Baton Rouge while creating fun spaces and places for people to learn and experience. Thank y'all for joining me today. Thank you, Stephanie. You're so welcome. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been poet Ava Heyman and Heather Sewell Day of Red Cake Event Planning. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos are taken by Carrie Hosford. You can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. 
Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. And by Shewart & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 